The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advice offered through Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Welcome to the Financial Focus Radio Show with your hosts, Tyler Simonis and Josh Finelli. Join us as we discuss markets, bring transparency to issues within the financial services industry, and bring honest, thoughtful analysis every week. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Financial Focus Radio. Thanks for listening. My name is Tyler Simonis. That guy over there, he is Josh Finelli, and we are partners at Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management here in the wonderfully beautiful Pacific Northwest. Uh, summer came in like a lion, and I'm certainly enjoying it. So hopefully you are too. We appreciate you spending some of your weekend with our little radio program, as our producer called it, or as our producer's wife called it. Uh, so as always, if you want to be part of our little radio program, <laughs> call us 877-670-7117 or send us an email by going to our website, Northwest Quadrant Wealth. Com. Good morning, Mr. Finelli. Good morning. Happy Saturday. No, more importantly, a young Mr. Grayson Finelli turned four years old this week. And boy, oh boy, was he happy. And my 18-year-old my son uh, called Grayson, uh, Josh's son, on his fourth birthday and, uh, and made, I think made his birthday. Uh, but my son thought it was the funniest call that he had had in a month <laughs> with anybody. Uh, and I was like, Finn, it feels good when somebody likes you, doesn't it? <laughs> Too bad the girls at Summit don't like you as much as he does. Uh, but anyway, Grayson, Grayson, happy birthday. Uh, I hope four is better than three, at least for mom and dad. <laughs> it's uh, pretty cool that Finn would talk to him. That's a, that's a good kid you raised there. Well, I would get, give almost all the credit to my wife. All right, let's talk about the week that was in the capital markets. U.S. stocks, as measured by the S&P 500, were up a percent and a half. So apparently it's rainbows and butterflies again, but uh, we shall see. Here nine percent on the year for 2023, not bad. For the S&P, Nasdaq's even better. Nasdaq's 26 percent. Uh, international developed market stocks were up a half a percent. In the emerging markets, we saw a 1% move higher. U.S. small cap stocks were up 2%. Uh, we did see a pretty significant move in the interest rate complex. If you looked at the bond market, the aggregate bond index, uh, so the sort of S&P 500 of the bond world was down 1.3%, which means that yields were higher last week and prices of bonds went lower. So if you have intermediate or long-term bonds in your portfolio, you saw some of that pain on that side of your portfolio, the bond side. Uh, the three-month Treasury yield uh, as of Friday is 5.26. Yes, you heard that correct. The yield on a one-year Treasury is 5%, and the yield on a 10-year Treasury is 3.7%. So we still have an inverted yield curve. The short end is uh, quite high, obviously, in terms of yield. And it's going to be interesting to see, uh, as we get closer to this debt ceiling deadline, what happens with rates. Uh, I think 
the opposite of what most people think is going to happen is actually going to happen, but we shall see. Uh, maybe cooler heads will prevail, but in the next segment, we're going to talk more about the debt ceiling and market. Uh, gold was 2.8% lower at 19.80 an ounce, and oil was up 3.5% at $71.60 a barrel. So we did actually get quite a bit of economic data last week. It was sort of overshadowed by uh, other other things, um, but there was some important economic data that actually showed the U.S. economy is doing a lot better than I definitely would have thought. If you would ask me on January 1st of this year, uh, where do you think the economy is going to be heading into summer? I would have said a lot worse than it's doing now. But retail sales, um, even though retail sales in the month of April grew slower than expected, uh, they reversed months-long decline in retail sales. So we had seen declines every month, month after month after month in retail sales. Um, but we did see that reverse in the month of April, and retail sales were up four-tenths of a percent. Uh, and if you took out autos, there was even better. So retail sales, uh, you know, suggest that the economy is uh, sort of coming back with a little bit of revival this spring. Um, and then when you look at the strength, the continued strength in the labor market, um, it, like I said, the economy is doing better than I think most people would have expected by now, um, which gets us to this whole duration story. But it's it's very interesting to see. You know, as we as I continue to say, like we we're we're not all that bullish on the economy, but then we'd also say on the other side of it, like wait, it's really hard to imagine a recession with 3.4 percent unemployment. We've never had a recession with uh, sub 4 percent unemployment, well, and so you know, it's obviously the consumer is 70 plus percent of the U.S. economy, and so when so many of them are still getting a paycheck, uh, you know, it's hard to imagine a recession. And 13 straight months now of uh, lower leading economic indicators, so. The last time we reached this kind of streak was 73 in 2000, 2007 rather. So, you know, it's there's definitely signs, increasing signs of weakness. Uh, but again, like nominal growth because of higher prices can result in nominal GDP growth and the lack of an actual recession. But people can feel poorer on a real basis. But and you, that's kind of what's happening. You would have thought at this point we'd have, we would have seen more layoffs and maybe they're coming. But it's just really interesting. I mean, when you look at the dynamics and a lot of this obviously was created by the the, the situation with covid. But, you know, the 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 amount of jobs that are available job openings relative to the people I mean, that are I mean, it's, it's you amazing. Know, my belief in the demographic transition is, you know, has been pretty entrenched. And I think that that's what will ultimately avoid uh, <laughs> Yeah, but the, any I mean, real pain relative to what maybe people are expecting. We didn't have this problem pre-COVID, so. But the other thing I was going to say is, like, tell me how smart the bond market is again, because we're almost at the point of June hiking odds being fifty percent, and you know, two short weeks ago they were. Uh, well, the bond market's smart. You're talking about the Fed futures market. Well, yeah, yeah, but they've been very, very wrong, and the June rate cut was totally off the table in the middle of the banking panic, and uh, here we are where it's about to be odds-on favorite. Uh, and then we, if you look at data uh, in the housing market, we're also seeing some signs of strength there. Um, and, and so the question, I guess, there becomes, is this seasonal strength? You know, this is a, the home buying season is the spring historically. Um, and it's sort of picked up relative, I mean, it's, you know, we have a supply issue problem in the housing market, but over time that will be resolved. And so it's very interesting to to sort of look at the housing market and say, is this seasonal strength we're seeing, or is this sort of a uh, part of maybe everybody adjusting to the higher rates and then prices have adjusting and, and maybe we move forward? It, I guess only time will tell. Um, I, you know, it's going to be interesting to see where 
mortgage rates end up in the long term, I think, will will determine where we go from here at the housing market. Um, and second quarter earnings season is effectively over. And earnings season is interesting. It painted sort of this uh, interesting picture in that the businesses that beat expectations and really beat, I mean, some of the numbers that some of those big tech companies put up were was really <laughs> quite astounding. Um, and then the ones that missed, you know, like for example, on Friday, we got a foot locker, which I don't even understand how that's a public company anymore, but some of these companies that, uh, you know, that missed and are really probably not the greatest businesses and shouldn't be really going concerns, man, they really missed. And, and so it's just, it, it goes back to the narrative that we talked about probably a month ago, where this recession feels like it's a rolling recession, meaning it's hitting in different industries at different times. Um, and, and so I think that narrative is probably going to continue to hold true until uh, we get some more weakness in the labor market. And Josh and I all along, uh, since the beginning of this thing, have talked about this is going to be a duration story. It's going to be not real painful like during the global financial crisis where the sort of Band-Aid had to be ripped off. It's just going to be this slow sort of death by a thousand cuts log lower um, because interest rates still have to filter through the economy. And maybe the Fed's not even done yet. So that's that's the other. And then, and then there's a bunch of other tools that they have to their at their disposal uh, to slow the economy. So, um, you know, I think the best case scenario uh, for the stock market is probably more sideways trading that we've seen. You know, the market. Uh, you know, hit a peak in the late, in essentially December or January, December of 21 or January of 22 and has sold off sharply and then has traded sideways really. And so, um, you know, we think that's probably the best case scenario for the market before we can find a bottom. And we will, you know, we will have a wish, a wish lower when we do inevitably find we're, that bottom. We're inching closer to Jackson Hole uh, last summer, summer of 2022, where markets realized, I think, finally that how serious they really were. And the Nasdaq's back where it was after it took that bloodbath into September. We but are, we'll see. Ultimately, we are flat on the Nasdaq now. We'll see ultimately what if the Fed's really serious right at the next yeah. meeting. That'll be the real test. Is are they real serious? I think they're trying to say that they are. All right. Uh, if you'd like to be part of the program, you have a question or a comment for us. Give us a call eight seven seven six seven zero seven one one seven. Or you can always email us if you go to our website, northwestquadrantwalt.com. When we come back, we're going to talk about the debt ceiling and markets. So you'll want to stick around for that. Get your free one-hour retirement review. Meet with a Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management Investment Advisor today for free. It's our offer to you as a listener to the show. Give us a call today to schedule your portfolio review. 800-743-0988. Again, 800-743-0988. Aloha Blinds and Designs has been locally owned and operated since 2004 their salespeople work directly with you to ensure a seamless experience from the initial estimate all the way to the completion of your project their in-person showroom allows you to not only see the colors textures and fabrics but also the different lift systems to make sure you get the right fit for your home your experience doesn't stop after the installation is complete because you will never have to call a 
800 number for customer service. A product's warranty is only as good as the people who stand behind it. That's why Aloha Blinds and Designs is known for exceptional service after the sale. They have an in-house repair team that ensures the quickest turnaround for any issues that may arise. Call Aloha Blinds and Designs today to schedule an in-home consultation, to visit their showroom, or online at alohawindowcoverings.com. Your premier provider of custom window and door coverings. Everyday value warehouse prices, Cascade mattress. Don't put off quality sleep any longer. It's time to replace that lumpy, worn-out mattress. Visit the sleep experts today at locally owned Cascade Mattress and Furniture located in Bend or Redmond to take advantage of the kickoff to summer sale with savings up to $500 on Tempur-Pedic adjustable mattress sets. Save big at Cascade Mattress's kickoff to summer sale and get the best for less on top brands. Stearns & Foster, Sealy Hybrid, and Tempur-Pedic. Save up to $300 on America's number one mattress brand, Sealy. Get to Cascade Mattress today to save big. Don't miss the kickoff to summer sale going on now, where you can save up to $600 on Stearns & Foster, too. Visit CascadeMattress.com to see all the top brands. In the Bend Factory stores next to Nike and Columbia and downtown Redmond. Well, I did it. I'm Leslie James, and you've been hearing me talk about my journey to reverse my osteoporosis for a couple of years now with OsteoStrong in Bend. I joined the OsteoStrong program and followed their advice, and according to my latest bone scan, I am osteoporosis-free. I am living proof that it is possible with patience and dedication and my membership to OsteoStrong. Try it yourself. Mention you heard OsteoStrong on the radio and save 50% off your first month. Be better. Call OsteoStrong today. Heart failure, carpal tunnel syndrome, shortness of breath, stomach issues, lower back pain. How does it all add up? If you have heart failure and any of those seemingly unrelated symptoms sound familiar, it's time to talk with your cardiologist and get the full picture. They may add up to transthyretin amyloid cardiomyopathy. ATTRCM is a rare and underdiagnosed disease. Recognize the signs and discuss them with your doctor soon. Learn more at connectwithyourheart.com. That's connectwithyourheart.com. Sponsored by Pfizer. Connect to the Financial Focus Radio Show on YouTube or iTunes. Listen to past shows, get our bi-weekly e-news, and keep up to date on the market. You can also sign up for our e-newsletter on our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com. Let's get back to the show. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us on Financial Focus Radio. If you would like to sign up for a free retirement review, one of us will give you an hour of our time to talk about anything in your financial life. So if you have at least $500,000 of investable dollars, give our office a call to get one of those meetings scheduled. The number here is 800-743-0988. Or you can always go to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com, and send us an email, and uh, we'll get you on one of our calendars. Uh, so this is a quote from, well, Morgan Housel. It's, it was on his website, but I don't know that it's probably hit his original idea, but I'll credit him for it. Uh, he said, bad luck is easy to identify when you fail, and good luck is easy to ignore when you succeed. And so <laughs> what's funny about people is they often mistake good luck for fortune. Or, or, yeah, m m miss, they often mistake 
good luck for like skill on their part. And I will be the first to admit that my life is a series <laughs> that I've tried to put myself in position to take advantage of opportunities. But like, if I think back on my life and I know you can say this about yourself also, Josh, like I, my life is a, a sort of a series of good luck, right? It's like just this chain of good luck events. And I, sometimes I like to jade myself into believing that it's all based on my skill and intelligence, it's genius. but it's a lot of it is good luck. And so, you know, you just want to sometimes recognize, I mean, it, it, good luck that I was born in the right country to the right parents, you know, all, I was male, all these things that like forgetting then, you know, all the other things, good luck. So just, just, you know, remember that sometimes, you know, that we're always, you know, easy to identify, um, bad luck as part of our failure, but sometimes it's not. And, and good luck ha has a big role also on, on some of Taleb. our success. Nassim Taleb uh, would call it fooled by randomness. Yeah, I mean, literally Tesla Motors is, is yeah. a, an example of time and place and good luck. And I know people are like, what are you talking about? But they were, they were weeks or months away from being insolvent. Uh, and they, they were able because the capital markets was so crazy and COVID happened and there was all that free money sloshing on the I mean, system. Apple. They raised $60 billion uh, through dilute, diluting their shareholders. The most unshareholder friendly thing that you could do. Uh, and it kept them afloat and got them to there. Now, same thing with Apple. Apple was right there. Apple was yeah. 30 days away from running out of cash and being insolvent and being out of business. Uh, and, they, and, you know, Steve Jobs came back and, and right at the ship. So uh, don't, don't underestimate uh, circumstance and the power of good luck, like Josh said. That, um, and then, real quick, before we talk about the debt ceiling, because that is seems to be on people's mind, um, I think a lot of people uh, underestimate um, valuations as it relates to the market. Right. So historically, when you look at the however you want to look at it, price to earnings, price to book, price to sales of the market. Um, there are certain ranges that are sort of what we call the 100-year average or 15-year average or 10-year average or whatever it is for the market for price to earnings. Um, but you always have to look at where interest rates are because interest rates have a huge impact on valuations and where they can be. Um, but average valuations by inflation rate, if we go back to 1928, um, when inflation was less than 0%, average valuation was 15 times. When, when uh, inflation was more than 6%, uh, stock market traded at 12 times. If we look at where we are now, uh, 4 to 6% on the inflation rate, uh, the average multiple in the stock market was 16.7. I'll tell you right now, the, market value, the valuation of the market is a lot higher than that. So uh, either one or two things have to happen. Inflation has to go a lot lower. The stock market has to go lower. Important to point out why that's true, though, especially, you know, essentially five stocks are a third of the index, a little less. Uh, and those stocks trade at almost double the valuation of the rest of the market. And then you look down smaller and medium sized businesses trade at recession level multiples for the most part. Um, and then, uh, you know, the vast majority of the S&P 500 does as well. But, but as those stocks go, the market goes. Yep. Oh, 100%. But if, you know, it, when you look at the broader market, it's a lot cheaper. It's just that, that uh, fan mag segment that really carries everything. So uh, I thought we'd talk about the debt ceiling and raising the debt ceiling. And first off, we should say that the debt ceiling has been raised in this country something like 90 times, uh, you know, in modern history. And so... It has historically been a non-event, and it doesn't even make news. Maybe it makes the news on the, on the financial channels, uh, but it doesn't make news anywhere else. And, you know, not to play politics here, but most of the time, 
it, it's not an issue. Um, and, and they just do they raise the debt ceiling because it's the right thing to do. Now, I'm not I'm not arguing that we don't have a, a you know, a spending problem. I'm not, that's not the, the point of this conversation. And the fact that we have a spending problem, uh, the Republicans or whatever party shouldn't use the debt ceiling as this pawn to try to get something accomplished. They should be grown ups the rest of the time, which is what we sent them there to do. They are, we are their constituents, uh, and they should be negotiating this stuff all it's the time. It's important to remember that it's already pre-authorized spending. So it's money that previous Congress, they already approved. It was legislated and passed. So. And last I checked, when you look at you know, both sides of the aisle, are spending money like drugs. There is no fiscal conservatism in Washington, D.C. anymore. And I don't care what any of them tell you. All that matters is what they're doing and what they're voting for. And so, you know, when Trump was in president, was the president, you know, he spent 3.3 just like Biden when he 3.3 trillion, just like when Biden came in, spent another 3.3 trillion. So both sides of the aisle are spending money and you, you can they can tell you they're not. But look at what they're actually doing. And, they're you know, it's very hard for them to get reelected if, if they say they're going to take things away. So um, the, the last two times that this became an issue, 2011 was the big one and then 2013. Um, but in both cases, if you look back in 2011, the S&P 500 fell 17.2 percent in the month leading up, leading up to that. And then in 2013, it was 4 um, percent. But the good news is if you looked when they actually got the debt ceiling raise or, you know, they they were grown ups and, and did the right thing. Uh, in 2011, the index in the next 12 months rose 28 percent. And then in 2013, in the next 12 months, it rose 21 percent in the 12 months after that happened. So, you know, the, the important thing to know is that they need to get something done. Most likely they will. Um, but, you know, if they don't, that's going to be a tough one if you're uh, one of the 66 million people that collect Social Security because there's a chance that they wouldn't be able to, to you know, pay, uh, send out your Social Security check and they're not going to be able to pay interest on the, on the debt. Uh, you know, federal employees would ha have furloughs, all those sorts of things. Um, and like Josh said, this is money that's already been spent. And so when you look at the the uh, the debt issuance, it's flatlined, right? Like, so Josh showed me a chart. When you look at the de debt issuance uh, in the last few months, it's flatlined because they can't increase it. But um, this is this is one of those things that, yes, we have to do something fiscally in this country. We have to deal with spending. We have to deal with the fact that, you know, our deficit is or our national debt is ballooning out of control. Um, but this isn't There's definitely to risk a the trip. You know, so last time this happened in 2011, the United States government bonds had triple A rated status uh, and they got downrated to double to by, by S&P. Yeah, Moody's and Fitch still have us a triple. I mean, the idea that you know we're not going to be the equivalent of a triple A is laughable to me. But you know, the point is like this just this just should not be happening, and and it's frustrating to us that this like the Treasury General account had eighty seven billion on Monday, <laughs> down from one hundred and forty billion last Friday. I think that was probably the impetus for uh, the sudden concern and the the, uh, the short short trip over to Asia that the president. Uh, cut his trip in half because the uh, United States bank account is draining very, very quickly. The markets will ultimately be the catalyst for some sort of resolution. But now. that shouldn't, we shouldn't ever be, this shouldn't be held hostage every time we get to this position. Okay, if you want to sign up for our e-newsletter, Josh and I do a video in the middle and end of every month. So if you want to get added to that list, go to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com. Send us an email. Just let us know you'd like to be added to our e-newsletter list. When we come back, we're going to talk some phone calls and emails. Stick around. Sign up for our e-news today. 
Get the latest thoughts on the market every other week from Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management delivered right to your inbox. The short five to six minute video helps you keep up with the market. You can always watch past videos on YouTube or on NorthwestQuadrantWealth.com. Washington Trust Bank. Can't is a four-letter word. I think we should hire more people. I'll talk. I'm late for a meeting. I'm thinking of starting my own practice. Mm, can't do it. Too much capital. We need a warehouse. I can't imagine how we do that. We should knock that wall down and expand. Can't do it. There's always another wall beyond the wall. Washington Trust Bank. We believe you can do whatever you set your mind to, and we'll help you get there. Visit watrust.com to get started. Washington Trust Bank. Member FDIC. Wildfires can cause tragic impacts to our homes, our livelihoods, and our sense of safety. It's up to us to take the necessary steps to protect our homes, friends, and neighbors. Things like making sure your roof and gutters are clear of anything that can easily catch fire, keeping your lawn mowed, and moving anything flammable away from your home. Learn more about these and other things you can do to defend your homes from wildfires this season by visiting OregonDefensibleSpace.org. That's OregonDefensibleSpace.org. See you tomorrow. An honest day's work? Well, that's just something we live by out here. But not Senator Tim Canope. He can't even be bothered to show up for work. You heard me right. Tim Canope has walked off the job, and it isn't the first time. We elected him to help our communities, right? But Tim Canope's political games are blocking the things we really need, like more affordable housing, drought and wildfire protection, overdose prevention. Our community is hurting. We need leaders who get stuff done, not shut things down. Lawmakers should show up, take votes, and make their voices heard. Make our voices heard. That's why voters passed a law just last year to crack down on walkouts like this. But Tim Canope? <laughs> he doesn't seem to care what we think. It's time for Tim Canope to get back to work. Want Senator Tim Canope to do his job? Call him at 503-986-1727. 503-986-1727. Paid for by Hold Politicians Accountable. Hey, honey, how was your day? Uh, fine, I guess. The car wouldn't start. Had to call AAA for a new battery. Sounds wonderful. What? Uh, also, heard from Miss Carlson, and Johnny isn't doing very well in social studies. What a little whippersnapper. For a better time, it's Widgie Creek Golf Club. Because when you have a tee time, almost nothing else matters. And right now, Widgie Creek is just $55 for spring golf anytime after 2 p.m. Now, if you're an early riser, play primetime golf for just $75 to play the 19-time winner of Central Oregon's favorite golf course. Of course, the Widgie Pass is still in effect. For just $129, you get member guest pricing all season long, and your USGA handicap is included. Tea times are available by phone or online at Widgie.com. Widgie Creek Golf Club. Your adventure starts here. 
The all-new Cascade Motorsports has new inventory of 2023 KTM Motocross, dual sport and adventure bikes, with special interest rates starting as low as 3.99% for low monthly payments. KTM's gives you a more forgiving suspension, unmatched performance, and cutting-edge technology. Cascade Motorsports is your Polaris headquarters with 2023 ATVs and UTVs, including the Farm and Ranch Ready Rangers, the Fun and Excitement Ready Razors, and the Hardworking Sportsman. The all-new Cascade Motorsports Amplified Parts Department has everything from performance parts to the latest in riding gear. Plus, our certified techs have the parts, tires, and know-how needed to keep you up and running all year long. Your adventure starts here at the all-new Cascade Motorsports. New owners, new vibe, new attitude. It's all fun for motorsport enthusiasts of all sizes. At the all-new Cascade Motorsports, off Empire and Bend. Interest rates on approved credit. See the full inventory at CascadeMotorsports.net. You're listening to Financial Focus Radio Show, where you get honest and actionable advice every week from the partners at Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management. Remember, you can always listen to past shows on iTunes or find us on NorthwestQuadrantWealth.com. Thanks for joining us on Financial Focus Radio on this beautiful weekend here in the Northwest. Uh, if you'd like to be part of the show, give us a call. If you have a question or comment, 877-670-7117. Or you can always email us by if you go to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com. Um, so it's funny, you know, uh, Gallup does polls, obviously, um, and they polled uh, a bunch of um, um, employed, so gainfully employed adults in the American population, I think 6,000 people. Um, and they said uh, percentage of people in the United States um, that are sad, very or somewhat satisfied in their life. So they, they asked the, the group, the, the sort of general, um, the way things are going in your personal life, are you, what percentage are very or somewhat satisfied? 83% of Americans said they're very. And then, uh, not your, then they looked at it by different aspects of your personal life. So your family life, 90% said they're very satisfied. Housing, 88% said they're satisfied. Job or work you do, 87%. Um, so on and on and on. The, only, the one that was only 71% was household income. Um, but what's funny to me when I think about this data, uh, I assume people are being honest. Everybody talks about on TV or, you know, especially when you're talking about politics, everybody talks about how bad things are, right? How bad things are in America. But like when you ask the average American, most of them, eight out of 10, eight and a half out of 10 say things are, gro- are great for them. And I would be in the part of the group that I'm, things are great for me. So, you know, knock on wood. And so, you know, don't believe that, like, it it always bums me out. You know, obviously you're going to get elected by saying how bad the other guy is. Um, But, you know, things, we live in the greatest country in the history of the world, and that's going to be true in the future, no matter who's in the White House or who's the governor of your state. So don't lose sight of that. Like, be an American first and realize that we have it great. When you think about, you know, today, the average American lives better than John D. Rockefeller lived when he was alive. Like, think about that. That's going to continue to be true. I and mean, think about the, uh, you know, seven and a half billion other people on the planet that really don't have the greatest of lives, and we and we do. So, um, you know, w- let's not b- bicker over what books are in the library. Come on. <laughs> uh, all right, we got a, a phone call at eight 
877-670-7117. Hi, Kyler and Josh. This is Joe here in Bend, and I just have a quick question about the inverted yield curve, and uh, I'd like to know um, your opinions on whether or not you expect to see a change to normalization, meaning higher long-term yields going forward. Uh, I believe Tyler in particular has said that he thinks higher interest rates will be the norm going forward, and I was just wondering if we can expect to see higher yields uh, in the long-term treasuries anytime soon. Thanks so much, and I'll be listening for your reply. All right. Thanks, Joe. That's a, So, Joe, you are probably uh, – you might be smarter than us, actually. You probably should be doing this radio show instead of us because, the, you know, no offense to the rest of our listeners, but I don't know the percentage of our listeners that know what an inverted yield curve is. Uh, so first we'll explain what that is, but thanks for the question, Joe. Uh, so inverted yield curve, what he means by that is if you think about the bond market – um, and you look at the different maturities in the bond market. So, you know, the, the, the bond treasuries have 90-day paper um, and then, you know, all the way out to 30 years. And so, you know, 90-day, you know, six-month – well, actually, every month you can buy a four-month, five-month, six-month. And then it goes out to one-year, two-year, three-year, you know, and then all the way up to 30 years. And so traditionally in a normalized interest rate environment – the shorter maturities, the shorter bond maturities have lower yields than the longer maturities, right? That makes sense, right? If you're taking duration risk, meaning you're buying a 30-year bond or a 10-year bond, that should yield, have a higher yield attached to it than, say, a one-year bond because you're taking a bunch of risk. You don't know what's going to happen in that next 10 years or 30 years, and so you're, a cert, you know, you're sort of making some assumptions, and so you want to be compensated for that uh, extra unknown risk that you're taking relative to you know, that short risk that you're short duration risk. So that's what he means by inverted. And so right now the yield curve is inverted, meaning short rates on short bonds uh, is much higher than on, on long bonds. So if you look at the yield on a, on a uh, three month treasury is 5.2 and on a 10 year treasury, it's 3.7. So it's very inverted. Uh, and, and so it, Joe's question is, do we think it's going to normalize over time? Meaning long rates are going to start to move higher and short rates will move lower relative to long rates. Uh, so, Joe, here, here's here's my answer, and I don't know what Josh is going to say, but um, you know, take it with a grain of salt, at least from me. Um, I would say, in a normal world, that yes, over time, after we go through maybe a economic slowdown, rates will start to normalize. The problem is that over time part is the part that I can't give you an answer on, because duration of these things usually takes longer than. Uh, than we ever think it's going to. And the the reason for that, Joe, is because we have had, we've had uh, the most central bank intervention in our country's history by a long shot. And so when you take this giant institution that is the Treasury and the Federal Reserve, and they become big buyers in a market, the, the bond market, that changes the dynamic of a normal free market bond market. So they were doing things to manipulate rates to keep them low for an extended period of time, which has consequences. And so there's no like, Joe, there's no playbook I can say, well, in the 50s or in the 70s or in, you know, there's no playbook because we never had so much central bank intervention, not just here, but in the rest of the world. And so that is now starting to unwind. And so it's hard for me to tell you, you know, Based on the history, this is what's going to happen. But 
yes, Joe, over time, rates will normalize. But, Joe, for people like you and me and everybody else, I think it's going to take way longer than we want it to because there was so much intervention for so – I mean, it was 15 years of of tons of intervention. And so it's going to take a while for that to work out. But, you know, a recession, if we do have a recession, that could speed the process up. Uh, where when we on the other side of the, the recession, if the Fed doesn't get involved again, we can have a normalized yield curve. Uh, uh, so I don't know what Mr. Finelli has to say about that. Usually when uh, inflation expectations are embedded, longer term interest rates should rise faster than shorter term interest rates. Uh, I mean, maybe the exception with this kind of, you know, we've never seen the scale of this kind of interest rate increases in percentage terms ever before. But that's, I mean... When inflation expectations are embedded, long-term rates go up a lot in in past cycles. And uh, but I think it tells you this time that the market, no one truly believes in longer-term structurally higher rates. Well, and no, I think no bond market participant does, and I think it's because of no the one intervention. Be- yeah, the intervention, but also the sheer scale of aggregate debt out there. On on all levels, sovereign level in particular, whether it's U.S. or or Europe or China, really anywhere. I mean, I don't think anyone believes any true market participant believes that rates will be higher for longer. And that's I but think that what doesn't it tells mean you. it's not going to happen. I, I, I agree. I just think that that's what it's telling you is that longer term yields would have risen more if the market believed that. Uh, Rates could stay higher for but, longer. But, but longer-term yields don't have to go up for the yield curve to go back to normal. That's the other thing. Like the yield curve could steepen and long rates could stay where they are because yeah, short rates it would will just, come down. Yeah, but it would just mean that we're back to ZERP, to back to zero interest rate policy. Right, right. Yeah. But, but the, and I think that's probably what the market is anticipating. But I think that, you know, like when you look at – Joe, and I think this is the thing that can give you maybe some direction, is look at the interest rate cycles – in the United States, they're much, much longer. So if you look at bull and bear markets in the bond market, they're way longer cycles than they are in the stock market. And so I think that's probably – and so when I say I, am, I think we're going to have structurally higher rates for the rest of my career than we've had for the last 15 years, it's because you know, it's not going to go in a straight line. But I think over time we're going to tend to have higher rates uh, over the next, I mean, you know, 30 you years. You remember the structural stagnation thesis that has really gripped every academic and policymaker over the last decade prior to COVID, which was lower long-term rates, structural deflation because of technology and globalization. Like everyone believes that we're going back to that. Yeah, but uh, economists, and I think economists right. exist to make astrology look uh, respectable. So uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm also a believer, of course, in structurally higher rates because of the labor market and demographics and that shift. But I think that the market is telling you that no one truly believes in structurally higher rates for longer, even though you increasingly have people saying that. It just doesn't, you know. It's like, why would this time be different? Those are the most expensive words in the investment business. All right, good question, Joe. That got us uh, really grinding, and we appreciate you listening. Um, if you would like to take us up on a free retirement review, call us 877-670-7117 or go to our website, northwestquadrantwall.com, and send us an email. Get your free one-hour retirement review. Meet with a Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management Investment Advisor today for free. It's our offer to you as a listener to the show. Give us a call today to schedule your portfolio review. 800-743-0988. Again, 800-743-0988.
Enjoy store-wide savings on everything you need to get outside and enjoy the great outdoors. Coastal Farm and Ranch, we're just what the country needs. The sun is shining and it's finally time to get outdoors and enjoy the beauty the Pacific Northwest offers. Save big during the Great Northwest Camping Sales Event going on now at Coastal. Save 25% on all Hydroflask in stock for a limited time only. Plus, get 50% off the Buddy Hunter two-person dome tent, only $44.99 after discount. Save on select fishing, ammo, Green Mountain grills, RV accessories and supplies, and so much more. Sign up to win a new Ford F-150 Super Crew 4x4 pickup during our 60th anniversary celebration at CoastalCountry.com. Coastal Farm and Ranch, we're just what the country needs. Central Oregon from Highway 97 in Redmond. Ever dreamt of driving a $180,000 company vehicle? Working in a corner office with an amazing view? Yearn to get paid to travel? Do you like yellow? Ben Lapine Schools is hiring now. Our bus drivers will tell you there's no better view than behind the wheel of a school bus, transporting our community's most precious cargo in a cushy yellow bus. Ben Lapine drivers start at over $25 an hour, earning robust retirement and take home more than $1,200 a month in insurance benefits. Bus driving is a great option for college students, retirees, full or part-time. Take a spin in our first electric school bus on this side of the Cascades, Thursday, May 25th at our transportation facility in Bend and get an on-site interview. We look forward to seeing you from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Thursday, May 25th. Learn more at bls.fyi slash jobs or call us. Ben Lapine Schools, making your dreams of driving some nice wheels a reality. You work hard driving the road, earning every dime, and you do not have time for interruptions. If you break down in the Portland area or need great service, call Ultimate Truck Service first at Exit 9 in Richfield. They'll keep any diesel truck or diesel pusher road ready air conditioning, brakes, you name it. In an emergency, Ultimate Truck Service will come to you within 25 miles or have your tow driver take you. Call or go online. Ultimate Truck Services, they keep you rolling. Heart failure, carpal tunnel syndrome, shortness of breath, stomach issues, lower back pain. How does it all add up? If you have heart failure and any of those seemingly unrelated symptoms sound familiar, it's time to talk with your cardiologist and get the full picture. They may add up to transthyretin amyloid cardiomyopathy. ATTRCM is a rare and underdiagnosed disease. Recognize the signs and discuss them with your doctor soon. Learn more at connectwithyourheart.com. That's connectwithyourheart.com. Sponsored by Pfizer. Thank you for joining Financial Focus Radio Show. Honest, transparent analysis brought to you every week by Tyler Simonis and Josh Finelli. Call the show anytime at 877-670-7117. We'll try to answer your question on the air in the following weeks. Now, back to the team from Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us on Financial Focus Radio. We appreciate you spending some of your weekend with us. My name is Tyler Simonis. That guy over there, he is Josh Finelli, the one and only ladies. Uh, we we uh, appreciate you spending some time with us. If you want to give us a call, call the uh, 800 number, 877-670-7117. So one of the things that worries me, bothers me, stresses me out uh, because I have kids 
and really worries me about their future is uh, the ideology that exists in the United States, whether it's on the left or the right. Um, and, and it seems that reasonable, thoughtful discussion is, is just not tolerated anymore. Um, and so there was a quote that I saw that I thought was uh, pretty good to, th to think about for, for all of us right now is, if your opinions on one subject can be predicted from your opinions on another, you may be in the grip of an ideology. When you truly think for yourself, your conclusions will not be predictable. So if that is you, where, meaning your, your uh, conclusions about certain subjects are predictable, then you are an ideologue. And ideolo ideology is very dangerous. Uh, you know, when we think about history of the world in some places like Germany, ideology got uh got or china <laughs> yeah or china like so so just ask yourself uh if if that's what's happening because you ideally you know y you can have tendencies but you really need to truly think for yourself especially as it relates to your circumstances because i see a lot of people make comments that are literally against what would be good for them because they don't understand their circumstances whether it be related to taxes or certain things so be very careful that you don't get in the grip of ideology because ideology historically for the human race has been very dangerous and we it feels like maybe it could be at the crossroad of one of those times in history um so anyways that's enough soap different qualifying criteria with if you uh know the party affiliation or uh physical appearance <laughs> there's a lot of things that you could say like Given this, what would be your what would you know make an assumption about uh, their particular beliefs related to a certain subject? If you can make that prediction reliably, yeah, you may fall into that category. Yeah, and and you just don't. You, I mean, for you just don't want to be that person anyway, right? No, like that's just not, not the person you yeah. want to be because, well, whatever. Anyway, so uh, I thought we'd talk in this segment about the most important drivers of investment returns. So what it, what are the things that are are you know, result in the most successful portfolio returns, and they're not necessarily what people think. So I thought we would uh, take a look at that. But and, and then we we should express talk about how we express uh, getting our portfolio exposure as it relates to what the drivers are, because to us they're they're intertwined. So there have been lots of studies done throughout history, um, academic studies, Morningstar's done studies, Vanguard's done studies that looked at the driver of portfolio returns. And so um, the, the, the most important thing to understand is that your asset allocation, meaning the different percentages you have allocated to certain asset classes. So an asset class, for example, would be large cap stocks. Uh, another asset class would be government bonds. So those are asset classes. So your, your mix, how you have that mix set up, 91.5% of your portfolio's return is driven by that and that alone. So that is the most important driver of your portfolio returns, not security selection, meaning buying individual stocks. It comes down to how much you have to certain asset classes in the market, not individual stocks. Because we know that if you have too much individual stock port, uh, exposure, especially concentration, that can be tor tor torpedo portfolio returns. You're, you can wipe out decades worth of returns really quickly by doing that, especially some of you that have been getting RSUs from some of these companies. You know what I mean. Um, so if 91.5% 
of your portfolio return comes from your asset allocation, where do you think you should be spending your time? On the asset allocation, not on security selection. Um, so individual stock selection and market timing accounted for less than 7% of a diversified portfolio's return. So guess what happens in, the game, in our game? 91% of our time is dedicated to the, to the thing that gives you 7% of your return instead of the other way around. So the good news is for our clients, Josh and I spend 100% of our time on the things that matter, which is getting the asset allocation right. And then the, the selection of what we put to get that exposure is very, very easy because we're indexers, right? So we, because Josh and I are simple people, <laughs> we say, okay, let's simplify this as much as possible and let's figure out how we increase the odds of our us and our clients being successful over time. And how do we do that? We focus on the things that matter. And that is picking the right asset allocation and then delivering uh, that asset allocation with the lowest cost, most tax efficient security. So, uh, Josh, explain to people once we know the asset allocation story and what the most important thing is, why we select the things that we select, meaning index funds and, and all the attributes that go along with index funds, and why we think everybody listening should be doing the same. So, well, okay, I guess Josh doesn't know what I'm talking about. So, the reason we, we pick, uh, let's say, an index fund for, a, a small, for our small cap exposure or a large cap exposure to stocks is because when we pick an index fund, we know exactly what we're going to get. We don't have some active money manager that you know, their husband or wife could divorce them or their dog could run away and, or they could change you know, the market caps of their portfolio. When we buy a small cap ETF, we're getting exactly that and it's not going to deviate. So we know exactly what our small cap exposure is at any given moment because that's not going to deviate. And the other, the, the other reason, and this is another huge driver of returns over time, is fees, low fees. I mean, if we look at the uh, expense ratios of an exchange-traded fund for most of, the, of our portfolio, it's under 10 basis points, so 0.1%. 0.1% of 1%, um, so really, really low fees. Um, and we know that's a huge driver of portfolio returns over time is low fees. Uh, and then lastly, and this shouldn't be overlooked for all of you that have taxable money, is they're extremely tax efficient. So you know an actively managed fund, they're, they're making buy and sell decisions. They have to kick those capital gain distributions to the shareholders of those funds. And an exchange traded fund, because it tracks an index, that all that trading isn't happening. And so it's really, really tax efficient. So if you were out there, somebody, whether you're building your 401k asset allocation or your retirement and doing it yourself, or you should talk to your financial advisor about it if you, if you have that person and ask them, say, where do you spend your time in terms of getting the, the performance of my portfolio right? And their answer always should be, I spend almost all of my time getting the asset allocation right because it's the biggest driver and nothing even comes close to it. So getting the, that mix and, and it, when you look at the best asset allocators and those are pension funds generally and not all of them are very good at it. But if you look at the best ones, the Yales, those kind of places, um, they have gotten the asset allocation right. And that's why their portfolios have done so well over time is they figured out where the driver of returns come from and they spent their time on that. And then in our world, we took it a step further and we said, OK, because we know getting that is important and we get that right. The next step is how do we get exposure to those asset uh, that th those asset classes, and that is with the lowest cost, most tax efficient securities we can find. And right now in our world, that's exchange traded funds uh, with really really low expense ratios. And so, it, 
it's it probably sounds simple to all of you out there and it's because it is and if you if you're getting more complicated than that you're absolutely doing it wrong and it's not my opinion it's not josh's opinion it's data it's pure pure data Okay, if you'd like to take us up on a free retirement review and you have at least $500,000 of investable assets, call our office to get one of those meetings scheduled. Uh, the number here is 800-743-0988 or go to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com. When we come back, we're going to talk to you about what all of these salespeople out there are doing selling you annuities. Stick around. Sign up for our e-news today. Get the latest thoughts on the market every other week from Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management delivered right to your inbox. The short five to six minute video helps you keep up with the market. You can always watch past videos on northwestquadrantwealth.com. 